The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 20th, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, and engineer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. What a beautiful day it is here in Sonoma County. Well, I have a very special program today. Joining me in the studio is Jasmine Palmer from Athena House. Jasmine at one time was a resident and now is an advocate for Athena House and is trying to find resources and funding to help keep the program alive. A little background, Athena House is a drug and alcohol addiction treatment center for women uh, ages 18 plus with a unique treatment methods along with compassionate care and guidance. And just to let folks know, uh, believe it or not, I was the first staff when they opened their doors in 1977. So I know on a very personal level what an important program this is. You know, I mean, it really is. And the idea of closing it, you know, it's such a great treatment center for women. And one of the things that was amazing, one of the things I found out when I first went on working with Athena House was the fact that it was an all women's program. And we graduated one woman after another. And we felt the success was a success because of the fact it was women supporting women, which is very important. And, you know, last week uh, we had a special Zoom for Athena House. I wanted you a shout out to all those who participated on the Zoom meeting to support this beautiful program. It was an inspiring meeting, and folks can see it. They can see the whole uh, the whole presentation, uh, the presentation by Jasmine Palmer and a woman by the name of, uh, of Brooke uh, Ross, who they both are advocates for trying to keep this program open. It was absolutely wonderful. And a special thank you to uh, Congresswoman Lynn Woolsey for showing up and for some of her great ideas, and of course, to the National Organization for Women for stepping up and saying, uh-uh, this is not going to happen. As women in this community, we need to make sure that this program is solid and sustainable, and they have a good place to, to stay. Actually, they're at the Stone House here on uh, Highway 116, which is an amazing facility, and I had a dream the other night. I had a dream that one of our really wealthy, wealthy people here in Sonoma County suddenly made a phone call and says, you know, I want to buy that property and keep that program here. But you know, we all have dreams, we all have visions, but the most important thing is the the community must get behind keeping this program open. And I know Jasmine's going to give us a lot of good information. Well, hey, happy Juneteenth day. This is the second year that Juneteenth is a national holiday. So if you notice your banks are closed and you're not getting the mail, that's because today is Juneteenth and we're celebrating it. And let me let me give you let me tell you a little thing that happened. We had a wonderful wonderful event on uh, Saturday, June 18th, at the Martin Luther King Jr. Park in Santa Rosa. It was an amazing event. A shout out to Nancy Rogers and her team for creating such a great program. All the sponsors 
listeners, thank you, and the participants, and of course, all of you who came out to enjoy the event. This is the first Juneteenth celebration as a national holiday, and actually, it was the 52nd year that we were, uh, that they were doing this at Martin Luther King Park, and I have to make a special acknowledgement. You know, it takes a, it takes a village to do a program, but it also takes a good MC to make sure everything's good. So I want to do a congratulations to Tina Rogers for really doing such a great, great job. And also for, for Reverend Coffey's son, James Coffey, for providing such a great, great stage and for all, all the, uh, all the great people that were there. Anyway, I want to give you a little history about Juneteenth, which, like I said, today is a federal holiday. Juneteenth is the oldest known celebration commemorating the ending of slavery in the United States, dating back to 1865. You know, I couldn't believe what I heard on Amy Goodman, that they put, when slavery was full-blown, they put kids as little as three years old in the field. Can you imagine that? Three years old, your little, I mean, my great-granddaughter right now is going to be four years old in September. I can't imagine her being in a in the hot sun picking fruits or vegetables or cotton. I mean, I can't believe that. I can't believe that this even happened in our country. Anyway, it was on June 19th that the Union soldiers, led by Major General Gordon uh, Granger, uh, landed at Galveston, Texas, with the news that the war had ended and that the enslaved were now free. Note that this was two and a half years after President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, which had become official in January 1st, 1863. Well, you know, we celebrated the 52nd Juneteenth Festival here in Sonoma County on Saturday, June 18th, and it was the first celebration as a national holiday. So congratulations and thank you for all the people that came out. It was just amazing. 20th to the 26th, 2022, is Pollinator Week. And if you're wondering what that's all about, tune in next week, and I'm going to be having two special guests who will be talking about that. Actually, I believe I'm bringing on the butterfly lady, and I'm really excited about that. Well, you know, as I do every week, our history is our strength. It is very, very important to recognize that. And I have a very special woman who on June 20th, 1921, Alice Robertson, a Republican from Oklahoma, became the first woman to chair the House of Representatives. The first woman to share the House of Representatives in June 20th, 1921. Another thing that happened, very interesting, and this was uh, this was in uh, June twenty third, nineteen seventy two. Title nine of the Education Amendments of nineteen seventy two is signed by President Nixon. One of the most important legislation in- initiatives passed for women and girls since women won the vote in nineteen twenty. The legislation guarantees equal access and equal opportunity for female and male students in almost all aspects of our educational system. You know, I was going to Sonoma State when this happened. And this was very, very interesting to me. 
and and how it evolved it was really interesting we got a letter and it was a national letter that there were some young women who wanted to play of all things football now i can't say that i'm a, a great supporter of women playing football but i am a great supporter of women being a, be having the choice to be in any type of sport that they want and a letter went out and there was a huge a huge uh petition uh, program that went on after that. I think we got over a million signatures. And before you know it, Title IX was upgraded and women were allowed to participate in all these different sports. I mean, that's why you see so many women in in, uh, in uh, tennis. That's why you see so many women playing basketball now. Because this was available because in 1972, a group of women decided to stand up and say, no, this has to change. Well, you know, we can go a little bit back now. We'll do some happy birthdays. You know, in, in June 19th, 1888, and she, 19, excuse me, June 19th, 1888, uh, she made her transition in 1984. Hilda Worthington Smith, a labor educator and social worker, the first director of the Brian Maher Summer School for Women Workers in Industry. And that happened in 1921. I didn't even know there was a women's worker in industry. And it was very, it was interesting is that it was another group of women. They weren't quite called themselves a human, uh, a union, but they were a group of women that got together to make sure that women were treated with dignity and equality. Very, very interesting. Now, this woman really made an impact. You know, it, it's so interesting when I looked at her, which was June, she was born June 22nd, 1929, and she made her transition in 1990. Rose Kushner, she was a journalist, and she challenges, she challenged the practice of radical mastectomies in 1970s. In other words, when women, they found out that women had cancer of the breast, they would immediately just remove the whole breast. I remember I remember I was about mm, I was about 14 or 15 years old, maybe even a little bit younger. And remember that was in 1955 when I was when I was that age. And I remember my girlfriend Joyce Lichman's mother had cancer. And I remember the horror in listening to her talk about her mother was going to have both of her breasts removed. And in today's world, they don't do that anymore. They'll go and they'll do the, 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 they'll look at the tumor, they'll remove it, and they'll try to do all kinds of other things rather than just automatically remove a woman's breast. And this is what Rose Kushner, who found a lump in her breast, and that's what they told her. They said, hey, wait a minute, you're going to have to lose your breast. And she says, wait a minute, there's got to be another way. And she fought to have that way, and what ended up happening is there was no more medical examinations and evaluations before that happened. So I really believe, uh, I really believe this was a real, real first step for women as far as cancer and as far as healing and not having to go through all the torture that we went through at the beginning. So there's a lot to think about, you know, and a lot to appreciate. You know, and we think about today back again to Juneteenth. You know, what I think of, I think of Ida B. Wells, you know, going into the, going into the uh, South and writing about lynching. You know, I think of Sojourner Truth, you know, liberating her people, going back and helping them escape. I think of all the white people that supported it, you know, with the Underground Railroad, all the things that happened until one day they became free. And what happens 
a whole body of people don't know about it, but eventually find out about it. And it's still taking years and years and years for our African-American brothers and sisters to have equality and not be killed on the streets the way they are. So there's a lot to think about, but the most important thing is to recognize our history is our strength. You know, when I look back at the history of these women and I think of what they go through, it really inspires me. If I want to say something on the radio that maybe is a little bit controversial, I say, wait a minute, what would Ida B. Wells do? You know, what would Sojourner Truth do? You know, what would all these women do that were fighting so hard? You know, what would Susan B. Anthony do? All these great women that we are standing on the shoulders of. And we must never forget that. Not only the great women, but how many great African-American shoulders we're standing on that fought so hard for liberation. And especially shout out to those in this generation who worked so hard to make not only Juneteenth a celebration, but Juneteenth a national holiday. Wow, I'm really fired up this morning, but I feel really encouraged, especially after Saturday's event and seeing all the wonderful people and the children coming out of all colors, of all religions, loving and being together, hugging and dancing and just being together, celebrating, celebrating freedom celebrating freedom, celebrating the beautiful weather. And I have to do a real shout out, a big shout out for the wind. The wind was so kind to us. There are so many trees in the Martin Luther King Park. And yet on Saturday, they were as calm as could be as if they were all celebrating with us. So happy Juneteenth and happy day. You know, today is, you know, today when I woke up, I said, you know, thank you, Great Spirit. Life is a present. It's a truly is a present that we receive each and every day when we open our eyes. So just think about that one. Anyway, it's time to take a musical break, Ken. And we're going to be playing one of my favorite songs and one of my favorite singers and one of Ken's favorite singers. He loves Buffy St. Marie. You know, the world feels if, it, if it's in a major transition, which is filled with fear and uncertainty. This song gives us a great understanding of who we are and what we can gain if only we recognize our own individual, our own individual and collective uh, strength. Well, when I return, I will be in conversation with Jasmine Palmer about Athena House, its struggle, and the pro program itself, along with a cry for help from the community. So let's go ahead, Ken, Up Where We Belong, sung by Buffy St. Marie.
the worlds we know Up where the clear winds blow Some hang on to used to be They live their lives Looking spirits and I like to think of us going with that beautiful beautiful national eagle I just I just think the bald eagle is just incredible and I, I have to share something with my listeners I am just surrounded by by male energy this morning I have an observer with me the my a wonderful wonderful handsome young man a good friend of mine Reuben Scott good morning Reuben thank you for being here he's part of the are you still president of the NAACP He's former president of the NAACP here in Sonoma County, and I welcome him. And hopefully one day we're going to hear Reuben on the air. We're kind of men. See, we even mentor men. It's amazing. <laughs> anyway, welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest, Jasmine Palmer. Welcome, Jasmine. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thanks, Elaine. I'm glad to be here. 
Oh, Thanks I'm so happy me. to have you. You know, before we start the program, I would like to tell my listeners just a little bit about you. And I have to tell you, Jasmine sent me a wonderful, wonderful bio, and I sh- I shortened it, and she hasn't heard it. So I hope you I hope you approve of this, Jasmine. Okay, here we go. For 20 years, Jasmine has been using meth and living the lifestyle that came along with it. And on November 9, 2011, she was arrested and fortunately came, part of her sentence was six months in treatment at Athena House. This is where she learned how to live. We will be talking about that. She passionately believes in Athena House and what it offers to women and working hard to keep it open. She has worked in the field of drug and alcohol recovery over the past 10 years in different treatment programs. For the past three years, she has worked in the medical field along uh, doing care coordination with vulnerable populations, uh, primarily homeless and formerly incarcerated in- individuals. Now, she is a proud homeowner, and I can understand that. You know, when you have these struggles, now here she is. She's a proud owner and personally helped build her own house with the support of Habitat for Humanity, which I need to put in a plug for President Jimmy Carter because he started that program and he's still doing it. She is a single mom with two beautiful teenage girls, Emma and Maya. Anything else you'd like to add, Jasmine, that we might have left out? um, Well, no, you covered it pretty, that's, that's, uh, you covered it pretty well. well. Nothing that I can think of. Well, I'm glad you approve. Well, let, let's start with this. Let's start with this. You know, it was really interesting when I read your, Jasmine, according to your bio, you know, you are alumni of Athena House. And one thing you said that struck me, and I think your answer will help people understand the significance and value of Athena House. What you wrote was, for 20 years, you had been using meth and living the lifestyle that came along with it. And on November 9, 2011, you were arrested, and fortunately, some of the sentence uh, was for six months of it, you were sent to a treatment at Athena House. This is where you learned how to live. Talk about that period of your life, and what do you mean that you learned how to live? I mean, what what happened? Well, I guess, uh, you know, I think that when you were living a certain way that you don't necessarily uphold all of the regular, you know, day-to-day responsibilities that, um, that we do, uh, you, you kind of fall out of, out of that routine and you, um, it, I had to learn a lot. I, if I felt like, a, like I was a baby that was learning how to crawl and then to walk. And, um, I mean, just taking care of myself, you know, making doctor's appointments or getting, getting a job. I hadn't, I hadn't worked in a long time. So, you know, just gaining that confidence and that self-esteem back of um, feeling like I was capable. And, you know, all the meanwhile, trying to be a parent and, you know, a mom again to my daughters that I had been away from, too. So many challenges of trying to rebuild, rebuild my life. And it was, um, you know, and it was such a gradual process at Athena House that it was, it was necessary because, you know, each step along the way was just so important that, you know, built the foundation of what my, my life's become. Um, I mean, including, you know, we, um, they focus on your recovery at first, you know, and you really are, you're, you address like what, what your addiction was kind of, um, rooted from and, um, and you do a lot of work around that and you find, you know, other women to support you along the way and uh, you form those relationships, you know, you learn who you are and then you start, you know, rebuilding the relationships of with 
family, your children, and, and you know, looking for work and um, figuring out what you want to do. Well, one of the things I know by being part of the staff at Athena House is I know how difficult it is, you know, to really confront yourself, to look at yourself. We were talking before that you like accountability, but to be accountable for yourself and to admit that at certain times you were not accountable. I know I went back to school when I was 30, and that was amazing to me, and suddenly I had to become accountable, you know, after some of the addictions that we have, some of the struggles we go through in our youth. So, you know, at the beginning, I mentioned that I felt that one of the things that I learned that I felt that what made the program so successful is that it was not co-ed. It was strictly women supporting women. Do you, do you kind of agree with that concept? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, I think that it's 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 necessary. Um, I think women have a whole set of their own issues, you know, that they have to address um, separately, you know, and it's, I mean, I think the relationships, um, you know, is a is a big, it can be a big distraction, or, you know, there can be a lot of, uh, you know, addiction around that, too. So yeah, definitely. Well, talk about, you know, Athena House is such is had such a vast program. I know when I when I first came on board, it was specifically towards women who were being incarcerated that we could take them out of instead of going through the jails that they would go through uh, the program and then come out with a certificate and then they would be able to go out to work and function. And of course, we had the Comprehensive Employment and Training Act, which really supported women getting out in the field. But it did transition. It went more and more towards women who were having problems with addiction that not necessarily were actually arrested, but at some point, you know, they could still go into the program. But you you had the issue of a judge saying you're going to have six months, which, which is great. I mean, that that really gave you that opportunity. So give us an idea of maybe one or two of the programs that you went through. You know, was it was it psychotherapy? Was it one-on-one? Was it group? What were some of the things that Athena House offered to you that made such a difference? Oh, you, my counselor. I think my counselor was a, um, she was somebody that I really looked up to. Um, just her, her, the way that she delivered, you know, the information given to me, it was just, she was very kind and empathetic, but very... She, direct. And so I was, I was held accountable for a lot of things that I, I probably wasn't before. And so, um, but the delivery was important. That relationship was, was really, um, necessary, I think for my, my recovery. And there was, you know, our groups, we did groups. I always talk about our five, five and five, they still do them today, you know, in, in treatment is, a um, you know, five, you list gratitudes and, you know, what you're working on and affirmations, and they all kind of serve different purposes. But um, the, the routine and the structure was huge, too. So, you know, when you say that, it sounds like when you go into a program like that, the whole idea is to change your mindset, you know, how you think about yourself and how you think about the outside world. Would you would you kind of agree with that? I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, I think it's um, changing your perspective. You know, I think that it's important to remember all of those you know, behaviors and thoughts before, but to, to learn and grow. So to kind of transform, you know, I think of like a, like a butterfly, you know, it's just, you know, we have to be in our cocoon for a while before we can grow our wings. 
Well, one thing I found in my own personal recovery that there was a certain level of stubbornness I had, like the hardship, <laughs> you know, especially a point, someone pointing something out at you and you go, what? That's not me. You know, and here it's, you've got it. Then I really believe that it's so important just to have that one-to-one, like you talk about the counselor. She was kind. She was empathetic. But at the same time, she says, you're going to be accountable. And when you build that trust up, you know, one woman to another, when the trust builds up, you know. And, you know, it's really interesting about, you know, I, I need to, I, I, I'm always very, very, um, how can I say it, enamored by the idea that it was named Athena House. And Athena is the goddess of, of war and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I recognize that, when I start thinking about war and wisdom, it feels like when people come into the program, they're really at war with themselves. And then when they gain the wisdom, how it changes. So it was just Athena just being just so, so perfect. Well, another aspect of the program that I think is very, very interesting to me, like here you come in with your own issues, you know, your own insecurities, right? You go through the program, and now all of a sudden you graduate to counselor. And, you know, we had an experience in our family of somebody that was uh, using, and then they had an opportunity to be a counselor, and what happened is they went back, they refused it, and they went back on the street, and so what do you think happened? The same problem. And so the, the thought I had when I read that you went from resident to, to counselor, that transition, why do you think that's important, that a person who is a resident ends up transitioning to a counselor, and now you've transitioned yourself to an advocate? So you've gone through different layers. Why do you think that's important, and what benefit do you think that is to the other women that come into the program? Well, well, I mean, fortunately, I, I waited about five years until I became a counselor, but um, I worked at another program doing housekeeping and cooking, and, and you know, I was... It, but that's where I kind of grew up. But when I came back to be a counselor, I think that um, I think that there's a there's another level of connection that can happen and trust because I think a lot of people come in not trusting, and so when somebody has um, the lived experience, you know, and, and understands that uh, that that level of things and a different relationship and and level of trust can form I think it's important but it you know it's I've I've seen a lot of challenges as well because it's it's you know those women are near and dear to my heart so it's it can be hard but um healthy boundaries are very important and um but I think that like the peer support in you know the lived experience of somebody that's already walked that that same journey or similar is is really powerful well, you know, it's also, I was thinking when I was there, I remember it was just the idea when you talk about trust. You know, I had this one woman that I was having such a hard time with. And I couldn't believe it. And I called one of my advisors and I told her what's happening. And she said to me, she said, take her outside, you know, get a breath of fresh air. So I took her out on a balcony and we were sitting on the balcony and all of a sudden I hear this hoot, hoot hoot and all, we grabbed on to each other I mean we got scared and all of a sudden we saw this owl and we thought oh my god Athena has a ho- an owl she holds and I thought oh we were just we were just like oh my god this is this was spiritual this was this was something from the higher power on and on and that changed our relationship and I asked her I said why did it change our relationship what changed after she graduated she says you know Elaine we both got so scared that we held on to each other and I recognized at that moment moment that I could really trust you to be there for me 
And that's, I think, what you're saying is the idea of trusting another human being to be there with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And to still be human and to, you know, that we're not, uh, that we're still human. But also, do you think the fact that you went from resident to counselor, that also helped with your recovery? I mean, gave you another level of responsibility and accountability? Um, I think it was a good, you know, I think it was a um, a great, important part of my journey, for sure. It's it's gotten, yes, it was, I think it was necessary for to get me where I'm at now. Um, I, I, yeah, it's pretty powerful. I felt like it, you know, I felt really... I was full of gratitude and, and it sometimes I felt like, um, you know, and still I feel like that sometimes like me, like, how do they let me do this? You know, why am I even allowed here? But um, it, I, a lot of things feel like um, a privilege. Well, you actually work pretty hard. I mean, I know how hard it is to get to the place you're at. And I, I really want to congratulate you. Thank you. Well, you know, Jasmine, we're going to take a musical break. And that, after the second portion of the show, we're going to talk about Athena House, the, the closing of it, some of the ideas that you have and some of the visions you have, which I think are very, very powerful. And it's so interesting to me, you know, sitting across from you to see how much you've accomplished and how proud your girls must be of you. And just the whole idea of having your own home, it's just, it's, it's a credit to you. So I, I thank you for sharing so much. It's so it's so interesting. And so we're going to take a musical break. And the song we're going to play is, is called We Are the Women. And the reason that I chose this song, the reason that I chose this song is due to the fact that I am calling on all women to support this effort to make sure that this program stays open. So let's go ahead. Let's go ahead, uh, Ken. Let's play We Are the Woman, and it's sung by Betsy Rose. One of the great things about the Athena House program is it demonstrates how women supporting and understand how women can lead to change and change their mind when it comes to peace. So think about that when you hear that song. So let's go ahead, Ken. We Are the Women by Betsy Rose. Are the women who are present today? We are the women. 
birth to tomorrow. We are the women who are present today. We are the women. I love that. We are the women giving birth to tomorrow. I mean, it's just amazing. And that's what we're trying to do here. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And I'm really happy. I want to thank all my listeners out there. And, you know, if you have any comments or any thoughts about the program, please, please write me at Elaine at womenspaces.com. And if there's anybody you know that is having a birthday or is having a, an anniversary or, or you just know that they should be on Women's Spaces, please contact me. I mean, and also support your public radio in any way you can. The best thing you can do is to become a member. Anyway, welcome back, and we are continuing our conversation with Jasmine uh, Palmer, who is alumni of Athena House, who is advocating to find funding and even a place for Athena House. Welcome back, Jasmine. And before we before we start this uh, this portion, I want to just give my listeners just a little background about Athena House. Is that okay with you? Yeah, absolutely. Athena House is a drug and alcohol addiction treatment center that is situated in Santa Rosa, California at 3555 Sonoma Highway. Addiction to drugs, alcohol, or any other substance abuse can take the toll on the well-being and livelihood of a person who's addicted. It is important that these individuals seek professional treatment, guidance, and care in order to safely and successfully beat the addiction, whether the patient requires inpatient treatment or outpatient treatment. Athena House can provide patients with everything they need to beat addiction. So it's a very, very important program, and it's a woman's program. It's women supporting women, which is very, very important. So, Jasmine, let's talk about this. You know, here you are dedicated to, you go through the program of Athena House. It gives you so much. It gives you your life back. Like you said, you can live. You can learn to live again. I'm sure it made a big difference with your children. And your whole lifestyle just seems to change. I mean, here building your your home and all the good things that you have done. Now, all of a sudden, you find out the program, which was under the umbrella of California Human Development, was closing. How did that impact you, you know, and how did that impact the residents when they found that out? Well, you know, I think that um, I was a I was a board member for California Human Development. And um, when I found out the news of that this program was going to be ending, including other programs um, that was under the umbrella of CHD, um, I think that I didn't even really take the time to think about it too much. I just jumped into action because it, the thought of Athena house going away after being around for 44 years is just, uh, it, it just, and you know, with our, um, you know, the Sonoma County right now is, is number three with the highest fatal overdoses, you know, in, in the state. And we climbed from, you know, number 10 in 2019. And for this, being one of the last few treatment programs around, I just, I felt like there wasn't an option to keep it alive. I mean, it was, there was no, I didn't second guess it. So I just thought something had to be done. So when you said you took action, what were some of the things that you did? What did you try to do? And and how was, how did the community respond or how is it responding? I know we just had the national organization, just did that wonderful Zoom. Lots of women showed up, but I'm wondering what, what was the, what was the response to you so far? Well, so I, um, 
reached out to a lot of different people. Um, the field that I work in, the position I'm, I work in now, I I network with uh, um, different people at the county and different organizations. And so I reached out to different management and leadership and um, everybody's, everybody's, you know, says is really supportive, you know, and it's, it's been shocking to a lot of people that, uh, that the program was going to end. And so, um, it sure got me out. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You know, so many people came out of the woodwork and the alumni it's been, you know, I've heard so many people have came, you know, offered to help and support however they can. It's just been, it's been amazing. I've heard some really, really amazing stories of, uh, I mean, alumni going back, you know, 20 years, over 20 years, you know, it's just pretty, it's pretty powerful. And I've heard some really sad stuff too. So it's been uh, an emotional roller coaster ride. I think also thinking about the thought of not having Athena House around and it's been, it saved my life on, on multiple occasions, not after I've been, you know, after I completed treatment. And so, um, well, the support, I mean, it's not like all of a sudden you can go out in the street, Hey, you're healed. You know, it's, it actually, your healing takes the life. It's a lifetime. It's, it, yeah. you know, you need those support. You need those, those people that to hold on to sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's the reason a lot of us are addicted. A lot of us do have different challenges in their life because they feel there is nobody to hold on to. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when you do find somebody. So what, what do you, you know, in, 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 in your, in your experience and now, and I mean, as far as I'm concerned from what the way that Stonehouse is described, like I said, I had this vision that maybe this multimillionaire billionaire would come up and say, Hey, I'm going to buy this and donate it. I mean, God, what a fantasy. I mean, it would be nice, but just looking at the structure of, of Athena House at this at the Stone House, you know they have a place to stay, place for children, all kinds of things going on. What is your vision? If I mean, if you if you could sit down and this is what I want, what would what would it be? How do you see it for the future? Uh, well, it's kind of it's gone back and forth, but my original my original plan and vision was to um, have the ability to purchase uh, Hope Village, which is where there's the sober living houses are, and um, it's three lots, and it's it needs a lot of work. But um, you know the way that it's structured, uh, we'd be able to put the treatment program on that property, and um, um, the stone house. I it just seems um, long term, like it wouldn't. It's not sustainable to have the program there long term but I it could be it could be I could be totally wrong you know but I know that it's it's really it's expensive it's and I you know and thinking uh so what my original goal was to try and um fundraise and find donors hopefully and support from the county and the community to purchase Hope Village and um and then and do the renovations and I you know and it's funny because I dream of like partnering with Habitat for Humanity to do the renovations and just like and have a national women's build you know and have all the women of the community like rebuild the foundation of Athena House I thought that would be powerful but um, you know I would I would love for somebody you know that was just extremely wealthy and say well, hey you here. know <laughs> you just you just brought in a very interesting fantasy of thinking about, I, I'm not familiar with the whole house, and I'll tell you, I'm going to tell my listeners, I will bring a lot more information next week to let people really know what the program is about. But I think that vision you have of, of the women of the community coming together and, and, and saving this structure and building it together, I mean, that's what the, you know, we live by where there were five houses built by Habitat for Humanity or on West Steel Lane. 
And it was just amazing watching these houses being built, watching these people, the men, a lot of men and women participating, you know, banging the nail in and doing all these things for their house. I, I think that's a beautiful vision. Mm-hmm. So so wh- how, how would that vision, you know, what would you need to fulfill that vision? How much money do you think you need? How much, how much what do you think it would take? So we've gotten the, the market prices for the stone house and for the, for Hope Village and, um, uh, the stone house is it's it's going for about three million, and then you know there's a lot of work that needs to be done on top of that. And so Hope Village is a little bit more than a little bit more than two million, but the renovations would be probably uh, you know I would say like a, a half a million. So um, w- you know I'm doing a fundraiser where I'm I'm doing I'm doing all I can, you know. And I've fortunately I've had some really amazing people pull together. We we meet weekly. So it's like uh, the CEO of Cots and the CEO of uh, Buckaloo and um, some other people that are just in huge support of figuring out a way. Um, so there's there's been quite a few people that have rallied together, you know, but we need we need the money. We need the money. And I keep hearing, you know, that the county has has money right now, but I, I don't have any commitments yet from anybody. So I'm I'm waiting. I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and just hope that everything falls into place. Well, one of the things I know about our county, I mean, we have two strong women that are on the board of supervisors, Susan Gorn and also Linda Hopkins. Actually, I'm in Linda Hopkins area. And I think just the fact that we have two women on the board of supervisors, I hope that they are hearing this from you or at least listening and that they rally. I think it's I I really believe, you know, I really believe that it's an obligation that we take care of our people and that we have good programs. You know, there, there's so many, there's so many different ways we spend our money that maybe we need to look at it and hone in where it's really important. So you think you need to say just for this Hope Village, that would be a little over 2 million. And then you would have to have do renovation. And that's where you see where the community comes together. Talk about the fundraiser. You know, we're starting to, the clock's starting to tick, baby. Uh, Mm -hmm. Talk about the fundraiser. What is it? When is it going to happen? And, uh, and how can people get in touch with you? And, and what, 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 what call would you like to make to the community for this project? You know, I do want to include that right now there's, there's over, you know, 40 women and children that are facing homelessness because of the closure of this program and the sober living homes. And so, I mean, and they've stopped taking referrals. So right now it's, it's you know, lives are at risk lives are at risk where this is this is such an important topic you know an issue that um i can't even emphasize enough that you know it's it's saving lives literally you know there's been three babies that have overdosed and died in the past couple years from fentanyl you know it's just this it's i can't even stress enough how important it is so our the fund right the fundraiser i am very excited about is going to be saturday july 23rd um at 4 p.m. and uh, on Eventbrite, you can you can purchase tickets, and uh, it's going to be uh, it's keeping hope alive. It's kind of the the theme of what this has all been, but it's it's going to be the um, Saving Athena House fundraiser gala. So we're going to have guest speakers, we're going to have music, we're going to have uh, Athena House alumni serving hors d'oeuvres and drinks, and it's going to be nice. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I would be happy to be there and serve. You know, I used to be a cocktail waitress, so if you need my services, I am here. Absolutely. Where where is it going to be? So it's at somebody's private residence. And so when you purchase a ticket, then you get the, oh, they, they you mean, get additional details after that. Yeah, so. What's the average price of the tickets, you know, around? $100. $100. Well, you know, $100 and tax deductible. 
and tax deductible. And tax deductible. I mean, it's a really, really good cause. So how, how can they get a hold of you? How can they find out more information from you? Or if somebody wants to support your effort or join your team or just whatever, whatever. And it, it's going to, folks, it takes a village. You know, this is a very important program. Like you said, I mean, I am shocked that we are the number three in the nation on fentanyl. And here we're closing this very important program. It does, it makes no sense to me. You know, and I know if there's anybody, any of the supervisors listening uh, uh, to this show today, I personally know that where there's a will, there's a way. And when you want, you want something done, you always find the money. And this is a really, really important, really important program. Well, my friend, we're coming to the end of our program, and I would like to know if there are any any other things that you would like to add, like you'd like to share, and also just to remind people once again that all the information about the fundraiser and all the information about contact in case they don't have a pencil or a pen in front of them will be on www.womenspaces.com. So don't worry if you haven't got all the information. So go ahead. Anything, any last words, anything, any closing thoughts that you might have? Um, yeah, so we do have a, a GoFundMe circling around, and then um, I, I created an email that's uh, keeping hope alive at outlook.com, but there's an underscore in there. So it's keeping hope underscore alive at outlook.com, which uh, my partner Brooke and I, we've been um, staying on top of responding to any questions or feedback. And we have a Facebook group, uh, Keeping Hope Alive. Uh, you could search on Facebook, and um, there's a petition also that is on the Facebook group that you can sign to support this cause and yeah I just I think it's it's bigger than all of us you know and it's it's such an important important issue that we can't let this go away so well it's also it's also an opportunity for people to do something you Mm -hmm. know to really do something well I want to thank you Jasmine Palmer for being here for talking about for the courage of what you're doing the courage of recovering you know that takes a lot of courage to face yourself you know people have to recognize that hold on and i just want you to know how much i appreciate you and i want to say thank you thank you so much for being here thanks thanks for having me well folks that's the end of our show i mean it was just wonderful just wonderful having having jasmine on you know thinking about athena house thinking about my years at athena house you know, I just got my master's degree. I was a nervous wreck. I had been working with Neighborhood Youth Corps, and then all of a sudden I had to reveal things about my past that I was so ashamed of that I w- would never tell anybody. And uh, Maura Poland, uh, Plowman at the time was the director, and I remember she calls me up one day, and she says, you know, Elaine, we really want to hire you, but we need people that had had issues with incarceration or stuff like that. And I says, Mara, I says, I want to come down and talk to you and Trust me, they hired. I don't have to tell my whole story. One day I'll write my bio and everybody can see that. But it was, it, was the most, it was the most challenging position that I ever had. First of all, working with women is, you know, women on women, it's, a, it's, a, it's another, it's a tricky thing. But the most important thing, the most important thing was to see a woman come in, cry her eyes out because her children had been taken away from her or 
certain things like that had happened. And then six months, eight months go by. She's ready to leave the program. And there she is walking out with her children. It's the most gratifying experience a person can experience. And to see that program, to me, it would be a travesty in this community to see it closed. And I know there's somebody out there. I know there's a lot of people out there. I have seen, I have seen, I, I remember when my friend Susan Moore decided that she was going to have a, a high school for young children, you know, and, and started the prep school here in Sonoma County. And before you know it, she got everybody together and we had this wonderful high school going. And how many, how many young children graduated? Just amazing. But it was a community effort. And that's what I see about Athena House. Let's make it a community effort. Let's let these women know that we care about them. Let, them, let us know that we care about their children. A mother is very important with their children, and it's wonderful when you see a mother get her children back and the changes they make. And it's just, it's just a profound experience, so I encourage everybody. And remember, all the information will be on www.womenspaces.com. Well, anyway, this is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces, and I, I'm really, I love the show, and I love, I love every Monday morning when Ken and I drive. We say Happy Monday. We're about to go on the radio and and present all these things. A special thank you to Reuben Scott for dropping in. I have all this male energy around me. I hope, I hope he has his own radio show. And one day he says, Oh, if it wasn't for Elaine, I wouldn't be here. You know, I love that. I just love that whole idea. Reminder. Tell your friends that Women's Spaces airs at 11 o'clock every at Monday evening, which is a replay, and that's on 89.1 FM. And it's amazing that we have it. And also, the most important, important thing, our children are our future. And we must never, never lose sight of that. We must do everything we can. This is Elaine B. Holtz with Women's Spaces. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life, she can rest so easily She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you The woman in your life knows simply what is true She knows a simple way to touch To make you whole now The woman in your life She can touch so easily She knows everything you do Because the woman About your struggles in the world Who cares more to bless Your weary shoulders Than the woman in your life As she's trying to come through A woman's voice with messages A woman's feelings sure 
previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 20th, 2022.